get a mischievous smile on your face. <laughs> I was really looking forward to Psalm 119. <laughs> I love Psalm 119. <laughs> yeah. How's this? Yeah. No, we're not. <laughs> so I'm just going to do the first eight verses. Yeah, so Psalm 119. Um, let me read it out loud for us. It says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all, all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. So this is the... As you guys know, there are 1,000, I think, um, I think a lotion got in my eye, <laughs> so, so I'm not crying, <laughs> it's just, uh, uh, there's a, there's a 1,189 chapters in the Bible, and this is the longest chapter uh, in the entire Bible, as you guys know, 176 verses, and remarkably, the whole thing is an acrostic poem, and uh, there are 22 stanzas, uh, so stanza, basically the paragraph of poetry, and uh, it corresponds to the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So in the first stanza, every line, so every verse, begins with the, f- uh, the first Hebrew letter, basically Hebrew equivalent of an A. And then in the second stanza, every verse uh, begins with B, and then so on. Uh, so it's a, it's a mnemonic device intended to help us uh, memorize it, uh, and so that we could remember and rehearse God's word even uh, when we don't have it in hand at all places and all times. And people write poems about all kinds of things, right? I mean, wondrous things in nature, uh, the beautiful uh, romantic love interest, or, uh, or about uh, just, just the tragedies of life. Uh, but Psalm 119 is, is I think, fittingly and, and wonderfully uh, all about the central importance of God's word. And uh, uh, it's, Kevin DeYoung puts it this way in his book, uh, Taking God at His Word. He says, Psalm 119 shows us what to believe about the Word of God, what to feel about the Word of God, and what to do with the Word of God. And uh, each stanza contains uh, eight verses, and, and those, I think they chose, the psalmist chose eight uh, to correspond to eight different Hebrew words uh, that exist uh, for, uh, to refer to Scripture. Uh, there's eight different types of words used uh, in, in the ESV. Those words are variously translated as commandments, word, rules, promise, law, precepts, testimonies, and statutes. Uh, so those are the words that are used throughout Psalm 119 to refer to Scripture, God's word. And uh, and if you've never memorized uh, large chunks of Scripture before, this is a really good place to start because it's about God's word uh, and to commit it to memory. And you may have already heard of William Wilberforce. You guys might know the name from the movie Amazing Grace, uh, or maybe you just know your history. <laughs> and uh, he, he was a British member of parliament, and he became a Christian at the age of 26. He became a member of parliament when he was 21. Very amazing. And uh, a year after his conversion, uh, on October 28, 1787, he wrote in his diary, uh, quote, God Almighty has set before me two great objects, 
the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. In that day and age, it meant morals. The reformation of morals and the, the end of the slave trade. Uh, he, he worked tirelessly toward those ends throughout his political career, which spanned over four decades, and that culminated in the abolition of slavery in the British Empire. Uh, and in his book, uh, uh, in which he talks about seven men who made a huge impact in history, uh, Eric uh, Metaxas writes about William Wilberforce, and there he writes that Wilberforce would also sometimes walk the two and a half miles from Parliament to his home. And the second half of the walk took him through a portion of Hyde Park. Wilberforce had it timed so that if he began reciting Psalm 119 when he entered the park, he would be finished by the time he got home. It took him 20 minutes to recite the whole thing. Uh, and this was his habit uh, on his walk back from Parliament to his house to recite Psalm 119 from memory as he walked through Hyde Park. And so I wanted to challenge people here, and I was hoping to share it with the church too, to memorize Psalm 119. Uh, I'm planning on doing, doing it as well. And, um, and you really just have to memorize one verse a day and uh, do two verses on Sundays, then you do one stanza per week. Right? And uh, so you do a stanza leading up to the Wednesday prayer service, and then we'll do the next stanza, and so on. And then we'll have the last week of the month during the prayers of fasting when we don't have the uh, message through the Psalms to review and, uh, and catch up if we're behind. Right? And, uh, and if we do that, I think we'll be done uh, around the end of the year. So I think uh, so. We'll be in Psalm 119 for a while, <laughs> but uh, I think that would be really cool if 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 some of us wanted to do it. And so I wanted to uh, issue a challenge. Um, a lot of believers have memorized this uh, throughout uh, church history. Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's like the challenge of memorizing the longest chapter in the Bible, or I think it's really I think it's because of uh, what it says about God's word. Uh, how uh, our delight, uh, God's people's delight in the Word of God. So, um, it really, there's two parts into this first stanza. The first four verses is about the blessedness of keeping God's Word. And the second half, verses 5 to 8, are about the desire to keep God's Word. Uh, and the whole thing is really teaching us that uh, it is the blessedness of keeping God's Word that, that uh, make us desire to keep God's Word. Um, and so let's look at the blessedness of keeping God's word. Twice in verses 1 to 3, the word blessed is repeated. Uh, it says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. So the word blessed, is, it seems like technical jargon, but really it means happy. Blessedness is happiness. Uh, and so those who walk according to the law of the Lord are happy. And sometimes Christians say, you know, God wants you to be holy, not happy. I mean, you guys have probably all heard that. I've heard that, right? Um, but this is actually a misleading statement um, according to verses like this. Because yes, God wants us to be holy, but only a holy life is a truly happy life. So God wants us to be happy. Uh, as well, and so the 17th century English pastor Thomas Brooks wrote a book entitled "The Crown and Glory of Christianity: Colon, or Holiness, the Only Way to Happiness." Uh, and in it, in the intro, intro chapter, he writes that holiness differs nothing from happiness, but in name. Holiness is happiness in the bud, and happiness is holiness at the full. Happiness is nothing but the quintessence of holiness. So ha happiness uh, and 
Not happiness, of course, as defined by the fleeting pleasures of this world, but true happiness uh, comes from holiness. And what if we really believe this, that the living a holy life is not a drudgery, uh, that obeying God's word is not boring, that it's not onerous, but that it's happy, right? It's joyous. Uh, it brings true, lasting fulfillment. Uh, and it's this happiness, this blessedness of keeping God's word that makes us desire to keep God's word. And notice the importance of keeping God's word in, this ver- in these verses. So normally when we think of a book, right, the verb that we associate with the book is the verb to read, right? But here, uh, repeatedly the psalm emphasizes uh, keeping God's word. Uh, the words keep and walk are repeated, uh, right? So obviously in order to keep it, you got to read it, <laughs> but you can't stop that reading. You got to apply it and obey and live it out. So verses 1 to 4, it says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. So reading God's word has to not merely be a theoretical exercise, but uh, it must be experiential, practical, has to be lived out in practice. And to that end, the word of God is an unfailing guide. Uh, so think about this with me for a second. We can dream about this as believers. Imagine living the perfect life, a blameless life in, in no speech or thought or deed. Uh, can anyone put any blame on us or fault on us? Imagine living that kind of life. See, Because it seems impossible, right? All the other religious texts, and scriptures throughout the world in all the books in the world on morality and moral philosophy they may have some helpful teachings in them they may have some truthful teachings in them but none of them can be described as without blemish they all have their faults all have mixtures they all have falsehood but verse 1 says that if you walk in the law of the Lord your way will be blameless uh, verse 2 says that if you keep God's testimonies you will seek God with your whole heart so for these reasons, so you love the Lord, the word of God is unique. And verse 4 teaches us that God has commanded us to keep his precepts diligently. Not lazily or casually or haphazardly, but diligently. Uh, and so that's the, the uh, blessedness of keeping God's word. And then it's that blessedness that produces in us the desire to keep God's word uh, in verses 5 to 8. And listen to the psalmist's longing uh, to do this in verses 5 to 6. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. So we should not want to keep God's word occasionally, but steadfastly, and, and not to be distracted from God's word, but to keep our eyes fixed on it, it says, because the blessedness of keeping God's word makes us desire to keep it. And, uh, and I mentioned to you earlier that Psalm 119 uses eight different words to refer to Scripture. Uh, and they all have different shades of meaning. And, and six of those are used already in, in this stanza alone. Uh, the first is the word law, right? And the law in English sounds so kind of formal and stilted, but the, but the word, in, it actually means something like instruction. It's the Hebrew word Torah, instruction. It's what God instructs. That's what the Word of God is. The second word is testimonies. It's what God testifies, what he attests to, witnesses to. Uh, The third word is precepts. It's what God prescribes that we follow, verse 4. And then the next is the word statutes. 
uh, verses 5 and 8 conveys what God requires, what he stipulates. Uh, And the word commandment in verse 6 is next. It means what God commands. And the word rules is the last one, verse 7. It means what God decides or what God rules to be uh, his judgment. So six of the eight different words all refer to, to God's word. And they have different shades of meaning. And they all convey the fact that God speaks to us through his word. Right? Uh, he promises us through his word. He warns us through his word. He directs us and guides us through his word. He examines us with his word. He teaches us through his word. He talks to us, converses with us through his word. And so the word of God is the chief appointed means by which God addresses his people. And for that reason, it's not like any other book in the sense that it's relational, right? Uh, sometimes people say that they feel like they know the author right, of the their favorite books, right? Because I've probably heard people say that. And and that's true only in a limited, approximate sense. But through the Bible, we really can hear God and come to know God. Uh, because as Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 says, the word of God is living and active. So it's not uh, merely a written record. It's a live means by which God communicates to us. And so verses... With that in mind, verses 7 to 8 fittingly conclude the stanza like this. I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. I don't know if you guys have ever read of... uh, I don't know if you read the endorsement pages in the book. I always do. (laughs) And uh, I don't know if you've ever read an endorsement on the back cover. That just sounds completely unlike the book itself. It almost seems like the person's never read the book, you know. Like, it's like, how in the world did you get that from this? You know, it's like a, and so you can't like you can't endorse something, you can't praise something without actually having read it, right? Without having familiarity with it, without knowing the thing or the person that you're praising. So likewise, we can't praise, you know, God without actually knowing Him. We can't praise Him uprightly with an upright heart. We can't praise Him sincerely until we learn God's righteous rules because it's the word of God that reveals God himself to us uh, and because it's by the word that we can listen to God and walk with him and so because of that when we forsake God's word uh, we are forsaken by God that's why the verse ends this way the stanza ends this way but if we live according to God's word God will not forsake us because that's how he relates to us and communicates with us and leads and directs us um, as I was kind of reflecting on this and trying to communicate the exciting kind of that how exciting that is to you guys I, I, I was looking up because uh, I had read this a long time ago and I looked it up on Google and there was actually a recent article published last month about uh, the Breakthrough Listen initiative I don't know if you guys have heard of it uh, it's like a privately funded uh, decade long research uh, research project out of UC Berkeley and the researchers involved uh, just finished listening in on 1,300 star systems for signs of extraterrestrial life. So 1,300 star systems. Uh, they came up empty. They didn't hear anything. <laughs> and, but they plan on expanding their research <laughs> to a lot more, uh, to cover a lot more ground. And uh, can you imagine just how boring that would be to, have, to just listen hours on end to this vast nothingness, you know, just the silence all day long? And then, but but can you imagine for a moment like what if you heard something, right? People's ears just perk up and like wait what? Like and then just everybody's jumping up in excitement and just come and like some something's there, someone's there, 
they're saying something or they're communicating something and and like it's like similarly I think if we don't expect God to speak to us through his word I can understand why that might be boring to some people right but uh, but if we but God's not silent he still speaks today uh, and so if if then we can feel that same level of excitement even more that we hear from God himself that on the other line that there's someone there speaking to us we're not listening to the void uh, we, God's communicating to us and when we think of it that way it totally transforms our Bible reading experience um, and I think uh, uh, and I was looking back on this and it's it came to know the Lord you know at, a, at an early age but it's really around middle school time like that God really started speaking to me and, and leading me and so it's been like since I was 12 so it's been a little over 20 years that now I've been reading God's word, right, as as a, as a, as a regular habit, and uh, and that's no credit to myself. It's God who gave me the hunger for His word, right, and He's the one uh, that gave me the grace for it. Uh, but I can't count the number of times I've I've heard Him speak specifically, tenderly, right, patiently, uh, and firmly, urgently, lovingly, uh, and and my hope is. Uh, everyone in our church uh, really will have that experience, have already had that experience, and if not, will soon have the experience so that they learn to uh, learn God's rules and learn to praise God with an upright heart. So it's a blessedness of keeping God's word that makes us desire to keep God's word.